The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. couple points we need to keep in mind here. First, it's important to recognize that you truly do have procrastination. Don't say, well, I, I might have a little of that going. No, it's poison. One drop spoils the whole glass of water. Now, you slipping up and not doing a task, which is disobedience, here, there, and whatever. That's called being human. But we're talking about habitual. We're talking about patterns. Something you would notice yourself doing every day. Most people know when they're putting things off. But there are several signs that you can watch out for. For instance, you might spend a lot of your time working on low priority tasks from well, it used to be to-do lists. Because I remember back in the 70s and 80s, to-do lists were like really popular. And then something happened is we realized that the to-do lists don't really make a difference. And then we went through this phase in our culture that you didn't hear very many people besides these leadership people making use of to-do lists. Now it seems to be coming back. And that's why I am using a different term for it, action list, is because that's what it really is. You're taking action on something you've been told to do by self, others, or God. It's action. It's immediate response. So typically, every task takes twice as long than you initially planned for. Oh, I'm gonna quickly clean the fridge. I'll wait till you get in there and start scrubbing off some of those eggs and soup spilled and milk and God only knows what else is in there. But see, that's not, that's not the error. You may get good at saying, you know, it's going to take me an hour and 17.5 minutes to clean the fridge. You still haven't stroked my attention. Here, I'm telling you, if you listen very carefully to this leader or follower, it could change your human life. Once the body starts letting go of endorphins when you're cleaning and you really get into the task, guess what happens? You start cleaning more thoroughly than you may have initially planned. Oh, now we're thawing the freezer out. Now we're boiling the, the racks. Now we're, you see what I'm telling you? And then when you're done with the fridge, guess what sits next to the fridge? The stove. Might as well do the stove. And it turns into a spring cleaning activity. 
That's what happens. So when you put down, clean the refrigerator, it takes self-discipline handed to you by Jesus Christ to when you're done with the refrigerator, you stand back from the refrigerator and you look at that refrigerator and you can say it out loud if you want, even if people, your windows are open, neighbor thinks you're crazy. But actually, I think you're on the cell phone. Just stand there and look at the refrigerator and say, and I do this all the time. Well done, Stephen. Well done, faithful servant. And then move to the next item on your list. And you're being drawn like a magnet to the stove when you see little pieces that you just spent an hour and 17 and a half minutes cleaning the refrigerator, you're drawn to the stove like, oh, it won't take that long. No, you do not touch it. Now, if you want to put the refrigerator and the stove on your list, put it on your list. Estimate the time. You've probably cleaned it once before, I pray God. So you'll probably have a good idea of how long it would take you to do both of them with excellence. So you pencil it in. If you're going to do the whole kitchen, you better get it penciled in. See, that's that planning time in the morning to see how much these tasks are going to consume of God's time. And statistics already tell us that very few people pray while they're working. Although we have tons of testimonies by true indwell believers that say that's my favorite time talking to God is when I'm doing a task. To that I say awesome. But most don't do that. They think about more tasks. You feel guilty, you know, I haven't cleaned that closet. So pretty soon at the end of the day, the spouse says, well, honey, I thought you were just going to... Clean the refrigerator. My Lord, the whole house got cleaned. And I didn't get it all done. Good. But we push and push and push until we collapse. And it's because of this problem. Now here's the irony of a procrastinator. Procrastinators love to do that type of compulsive cleaning activity. If they're going to do it, they're just going to keep doing it until they have to sit down. And it's it becomes a compulsive act. Now, if they did that with every single task on their list, you'd be hard-pressed to accuse this person of being a procrastinator, Right? But they procrastinate all the way up to, I've got to clean that kitchen. I can't stand the jelly under my shoes. You know how your flip-flops go. (laughs) Yeah, it drives you crazy. Or the worst thing is you open up your silverware drawer and you start inspecting the forks. 
It just activates this compulsive thing. But between these big tasks, you're a procrastinator. That's what we're saying in item number two. So perhaps you sit down to work on a high-priority project and then immediately take a break, or maybe you wait around to be in the right mood. And that is very true. You know, after three cups of coffee, you want to clean something, right? (laughs) I do. My fish tank, you know, the studs in my ceiling... I mean, it's it's amazing what I can clean after a few... When Shannon brings me that big vente on Friday mornings when we meet, I can't do work after he leaves. You'd think I'd be able to do 10 emails, you know, in three minutes. But no, I get up and I start cleaning. Get out my little vacuum cleaner, you know, and I start wiping my screens and my hands are shaking... Yeah, so drink three cups of coffee and read your to-do list. Start bringing the decaf. No, please don't. So perfectionists are known for being the biggest procrastinators, and that's why. And I'm telling you, there's a secret to this. If you schedule in, you're a compulsive neurotic. Schedule it. So when I clean my refrigerator, the whole kitchen's going to get cleaned because you know you're aware of it. That's what these people are telling us. You are aware of this. So schedule it. Don't beat yourself with guilt and condemnation because I said I was only going to take an hour for that and it took me seven. Schedule it. I can clean the entire kitchen perfectly or near perfectly in four hours. Schedule it. So what you're doing is not using the law on yourself because the law arouses what? Sinful passions. passions. So you're making it worse. Just schedule it. That's why some families use Saturday morning to clean the house from 8 in the morning until noon. Whatever gets done from 8 to noon is what gets done. But when you drive and push after that scheduled time is when kids become resentful or they become compulsive and they grow up and become these people. So that's why perfectionists are known for being procrastinators is that simple little mistake. Schedule it. Schedule your obsessive behavior and you'll feel a whole lot better. And what you're going to notice in the long run is you're going to be less obsessive. It's almost miraculous how that works. Finally, your next step is to think about why you are actually procrastinating. If you're already to that point, so, well, I'm a perfectionist. Okay, you got that one nailed down. Technique I just gave you will set you free, humanly speaking. Are you overwhelmed by the task? A lot of people are. If you're going to take on a project you've never done before, 
You're not even sure you have all the tools. And, you know, those are the kind of things you go, I'll get it at tomorrow. Because you're just not sure that you can do it. That is a great place to be, to acknowledge that and say, I'm not even sure I can do this task. So you think that's going to stay as number two? No, you get that sucker down to number ten. Because you have to plan for calling people or going online and listening to YouTube about, you know, how to use a screwdriver when you're trying to fix a leak in your toilet. You see, it's going to take a little time before you can actually accomplish that task. And that's just being very careful when you're evaluating the task. But most people just jump in and pretty soon the water is shooting into the bathroom and, you know, there's other stuff coming up through the toilet that, you know, God doesn't like. And you got this huge problem with plumbing and you end up calling a, a plumber. And it costs you $297.67. When you should have called the plumber, at least listen, watched a YouTube video to see exactly what screws you should not mess with. That's how it works. You're talking to an expert at impulsive tasks. I got so many war stories on carts I've tried to put together. Don't go pointing at examples. Because I didn't plan for the task. But once you plan for a task, you go, you know, fix the whatever on on the car. You start out, okay, well, I'm going to need a wrench and a hammer and a new gasket. And, a, and you just list it out real quick. And then you schedule the task and you go get her done. Three final points. Once you understand why you're procrastinating, then you can actually come up with some strategies and see the strategies will be a little bit different for each person. So I gave you a strategy on perfectionists. Well, that wouldn't work for a lazy person. You can talk to them all day long until you're blue in the face, but a true lazy person will sit and stare at you and look at you like they are 100% on board and there's nothing going to happen in that person's life. A lazy person does the exact same thing as obedient people do. It is instantly blow by. See, a perfectionist doesn't. They take great notes. They go, this is an incredible idea for next year. Gotta get that in my calendar for May of 2019. And they think they're so responsible. And in many ways they are. But it doesn't necessarily mean God wanted to put it in May of 2019. But a lazy person is just like trying to form a pathway through a bowl of jello. It should, it just doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Just eat the jello then. Forget about trying to make a pathway in life for them because it's just not working. And I think if you guys look out your windows tomorrow, 
You'll notice we have an entire world that functions like that. And today, a school teacher even telling us that the kids aren't even in listening in the classrooms. They're on their devices. While a teacher, for Pete's sake, is trying to teach them structure or knowledge that could change their life. Yeah, I think we got a problem. If you're procrastinating is because of disorganization, that's your first project. I'm going to organize my closet. There is a golden key to getting rid of procrastination. So I'll just put Shannon on the spot. So Shannon, what is the last thing I do before I leave my office at the end of a day? Everything goes back in order. I even told Cindy in our last session about the small details and why they matter to be freed from some of these other things that are snagging us is by straightening things. Now, if you have a compulsive disorder, you have to straighten things in order to emotionally feel comfortable. But that's not why I do it. I was told many years ago that if you get in the habit of straightening everything, whether it's the cup you're drinking out of, for example, now you guys are going to see me doing this and almost everything I do. If I'm going to drink out of water, it's not going to be like this. I turn the label toward me on purpose. So, Cindy, I'll put you on the spot. Why do I do that? Because it shows order. Well, it shows order, but the motive of doing it would be what? Building It's a mind mapping technique. Is that if you'd make these small adjustments, so anyone could come up right now, look at the podium, and everything is at a 90 degrees. Because it trains the mind to think like that. If the person's doing it for a compulsive to feel emotionally better, then it is sin. Now that is not a hard, fast rule. If you catch turning the bottle three times out of ten, it will restructure your mind. If you look at the floor and there's little flushies on the floor and you pick up on three separate occasions stuff that's just on your carpet, instead of saying I'll vacuum that on Saturday, instead of just reaching down and picking up those pieces on the carpet, You've trained your mind to do nothing but to procrastinate. Now, if there's dirt spilt on your carpet, how many would vote to wait till Saturday? You see how stupid that is? So it's all in analyzing the task. 
He said, well, I can leave those little pieces of white paper on there until I vacuum on Saturday. And if you were in discipleship with me in my office, and I said, no, you won't. You see it, you pick it up, and move on. Well, it's not really cleaning the carpet. You know, the carpet's still dirty. Clean it on Saturday. It's training the mind to constantly think in order. And it gets rid of procrastination, which is why I'm telling you this. It just gets rid of it. And then that last point is what our gal was talking about, going and treating yourself to a cup of coffee. Uh, be careful with that piece because you might end up cleaning your refrigerator and your stove and your garage and your trash cans. You know, depends on how big a cup of coffee that was. But just treat yourself to something like listening to a praise song with a cup of coffee. So then your hands are going like this. Praise music is a little more rowdier. But the idea is to rest. Step back from it. You need your moment of rest. After the task and go, now that is a clean refrigerator. You're not complimenting yourself. You are literally passing praise on to the one who motivated you to do it. That's what you need to do with taking that little break. Don't compulsively move into another task or that stove will draw you like a magnet. Okay, here's some keys to anti-procrastination. As with most habits to overcome, they must be yielded to Christ. Here's a few steps that you could follow. Number one, Step one is recognize that you're a procrastinator or you are procrastinating. Step two is repent and confess it. God, I am constantly delaying what you're asking me to do. And smallest details of picking up some stuff that's on the carpet. Step three, work out why you're procrastinating. Is it rebellion? Is it fear? What is it exactly? Sometimes it takes another person to talk to to figure that out. Step three, adopt biblical anti-procrastination strategies and mandates in and through Christ. And if you read the word, you'll find out that God is very specific in how to get out of some of this stuff. Don't procrastinate with your boss. Submit to him, even if he's unreasonable, for this finds favor in the eyes of God if a man or woman suffers unjustly. You want my favor? Do it! Now! Do not delay the requests of your boss, of your pastor. That's how it works. There's plenty of mandates in the Word of God. So if you check the box to... I am disorganized. Now, there's a young man that I've been working with off and on through the years, and I went to his birthday party today. 
sat down. He had his cake, and I'm eating his cake too. <laughs> and he leans over and goes, don't go in my room. It's a disaster. Now, what was this young man communicating to me? It's two things. There's obviously a confession of, I am disorganized. What would another be? Actually, it would be evidence there definitely is rebellion going on in him leaving his room a disaster, yes. But in his confession, he's confessing that his mentor is orderly. He knows what I watch for. So here I am at the party, and it's on his mind. I wasn't thinking about if he had socks hanging from the top of his door. Well, I did want to go into his room to see his fish. But I wasn't thinking about disorganization. That is a very, very healthy thing. It's not an unhealthy thing. It was evidence to me he's growing. He's aware. First step, aware. That is so critical is the awareness, not the behavior. Here's six biblical strategies. One, keep a to-do or action list. To-do is a term from the 70s. We've worn it out. So maybe you want to switch to an action list. Led by the Spirit means you just write, 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 and you bring it before God. You say, God, I believe that your son's mind is in me. I believe he's a God of order. I believe he can speak to me. I believe there's a proper order here. I believe there's some of these things that you want, you want crossed off. I believe there's some things you want to add. So here am I. Here's my pencil. Let's get her done. You think God is going to take a child of his and take on an attitude of, you're faking it. You don't really want to do what I tell you. No, he's going to envelop that. Whether 90% of it was response and 10% of it was to please God, to get his favor, or whether it was the other way. He, he embraces it because my mind's open to hearing you. And then the reorganization process starts led by the Spirit. Number two, prioritize your action list by listening to Christ. Three, become a master of scheduling. That's my secret. Become a master of scheduling and project management or planning according to God's timeline. Four, tackle the hardest tasks at your peak times. You don't want to schedule cleaning the refrigerator at 5 p.m. See, supper's at 6. Oh, I could get it done. Really? Hey, honey, it's 7.30. Are we having dinner? 
That's the kind of stuff that happens. And then everyone is expected to relax, be calm, because you're disorganized. You didn't plan it out correctly. Then you get crabby because you're tired. That's where crabby comes from. I'm tired, and I don't want to do this, so I'm crabby. Then do it seven in the morning. Five, set yourself realistic time-bound goals. We already talked about that. And then six, use task and time management and what we're calling mind mapping tools. You've got to draw it out if it's a complicated project, if you've got to subcategory it on your action list, whatever it is you've got to do, map it out. Because every item you write down on a piece of paper There's this supernatural thing that occurs in a human mind because of our design by God, and that is the time clock starts ticking. As soon as you put down there, need to clean the refrigerator. Every thought that is in the human mind demands action. And if you put too many Thoughts in a person's mind that require action, they do one of two things. They go mentally ill. It's what the world calls it. They literally shut down from being able to even think about doing things anymore. So they sit around, look out the window. They call it depression. Look out the window, and there's no zeal to do anything anymore. All you have to remember is the secret of how God designed the human mind is every thought requires an action. If it's a demonic thought and a temptation, is there an action to that? A, I am not going to listen to you, Satan. Or B, I am going to listen to you, Christ. See, it's action. Everything requires an action because the human mind is designed for it. So if you write it down, this great idea you have, you're busying your mind. Now the secret is when it gets to the paper and you organize it, you begin to rest. You kind of let it go until the scheduled time. Here's our identity matter statement. Procrastination is not stressful. All right? Wrong. Wrong. Procrastination is stressful. It's highly damaging to your walking the walk in Christ. And is often deeply frustrating to your family and your friends let alone the authority figures that are responsible for you. Now I want to bring it back to walking the walk with Jesus. He's here on earth. He says, Steve, we're going to go to blah, blah, blah and do such and such a ministry. And I'm like, I'm in. So we're walking and we're walking and we're walking and all of a sudden I get tired. 
And when I get tired, I start slowing down and I start and Jesus turns and looks and says, are you, are you coming, Steve? Yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then I'm lagging behind more and more. Now a leader is going to slow down to contract. That's what we do. You slow down. Are you coming? Are you doing okay? Do we need to check your sandals? The carrying takes place to get them motivated to speed it up to the pace of the leader. That is leadership. If I keep doing it to Jesus and delaying this mission, who has a dilemma on their hands? The leader. I need to accomplish this mission and be there when the Father has appointed for me to be in that village. Why don't you stay here and rest? And he moves on. You see, Jesus doesn't need you. Not one bit. He doesn't need me. Didn't need Billy Graham. Doesn't need Donald Trump. He didn't need anyone to lead for him. You're either there with him or he very respectfully and gracefully turns around and says, you need to sit this one out. And he moves on with his plan. He moves on with the timeline of God. You think he's going to be late for the second coming? Not one split second. It will be perfectly aligned with the perfect timing. Even if there's suffering, dying souls around him, he will do his daddy's work first. Whether you follow or there is a helper to wash his feet. He will be 100% on time. There's a very graceful way he handles us when we lag behind. I say this to Jesus all the time. Here am I. Send me. And I start wearing down and all the persecution, whatever the stuff that I'm facing in a given day or a given week, I start slowing down. And he very respectfully turns, gets me out of my my dark cave, puts my poop in a group, and I am ready to go again. He understands we need time because of our humanness. And he even perfectly times that to address us. But if I kept doing that to him day after day after day after day after day, I know what he'll do. He will move on. He won't take the Holy Spirit out of me. But honestly speaking, folks, most true indwell believers go all the way through their Christian lives and never function in ministry. 
That Holy Spirit is inside them waiting to work. And they do nothing. They're lazy, lethargic, disobedient, and they're indwelt. I do not want to be one of those. If I'm not saying two, three times a week, Lord, here am I, send me. And that and that's, could be an email. That could be, you know, before I contact a leader, that could be, here, here I am. Well, he knows that. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, a mother saying, here I am, I'm your mother. And the kid's like, why does she keep saying that? Is she doubting that she's our mother? Or the child saying, Mommy, here I am. What do you want me to do? Want me to vacuum? It would take a mother to have lost some gears. Not to look at that child and say, You sweet little thing. Get the vacuum cleaner. Because work and intimacy are husband and wife. I know that with Jesus. So I'm always wanting to know what's next. So procrastination is very damaging to that walk. Most importantly, it is evidence that your identity and obedience unto Christ is waning. Something's falling through the crack. Waning, I looked it up again today before posting the message. In its modern view of waning is a wobbling wheel. So you're in a carriage. Three of the wheels are working great. But there's one wobbling wheel. Does it affect the speed of that vehicle getting to its destination? Yes. Yes, of course it does. What would be the common sense thing to do instead of driving the next 150 miles with a wobbling wheel? Stop. Fix it. Now. And get back in the carriage. Smack the back of that horse and speed it up a little faster. That's what we're talking about here. This procrastination thing, we become a wobbling wheel on the vehicle that God uses to get his job done. First step in beating this procrastination habit is to recognize that you're doing it, surrender it to Christ, and decide to practice immediate obedience to all assigned tasks. Procrastination is as tempting as it is harmful. And if you have recognized a tendency to procrastinate within yourself, you need to yield it to Christ. Perhaps, just maybe, You're afraid of failing. 
But the truth of the matter is, which is our next message, you have a fear of success, not failure. You were born a failure. You're going to die one. God does not improve your self-skills. Not one inch. In fact, Scripture tells us he reduces it for more dependency. You are a failure, so check the box. I'm going to be sharing some very, very detailed points on you're actually afraid of success. The golden key is the more you're successful at, the more is given to you to be successful. And since we live in a world where everyone's plates are full of crap, stuff that has nothing to do with that carriage ride, we put God off. So it's going to be not only an interesting message, I think it could shake some of you free from this fear of success. But using the excuse, it's fear of failure. Because pop psychology taught us that in the 80s. It is not true. Every human knows they're a failure. That's why everyone struggles with it. Christ himself says it. And that's why we need him, who is the great success in us. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.